You're like so gay. Hello, all you sexual deviants. What's up, sexual deviant wannabes? It's a good day. It's a great a day. Gay. It's always a great day to be a gay. That is true. It is true. What's Ugh. up, Aaron? I'm nursing a two-day hangover at work. How about you? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm actually, um, I'm okay. I'm just exhausted. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, trying to put my brain back together, but that's kind of a daily occurrence, so. Period. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, um, what, what are you so hungover from? Celebrating I mean, alcohol, the big win. But... Yeah. Tequila, baby. <laughs> um, oh, amazing. Yeah, on Saturday, I think think i drank a half a bottle at least of cocktails <gasps> by myself i love that for you and then i slept until 4 30 p.m on sunday what time did you go to bed i think like four but i like that's me i've Were you just like, like out i literally in those woke streets? up i woke up and the sun was setting like i was like what the fuck that's crazy what yeah were you like able to go back to sleep yesterday yeah i went to bed at 8 30 I was really, really <laughs> tired from this week. Like, constantly see- checking CNN and shit, just, like, really... But my brain yeah. is more off. Yeah, that's true. I know, like, me and Dave both would, like, do work for five minutes and be like, what's happening on CNN? It, it was, like, this. it was the it same was story for, like, three... Yeah, it was the same story for, like, three days, but I couldn't get... I could not pull myself away from the television. Yeah. Did you see that video that... I think it was Caitlin Riley. She's, like, an Instagram comedian... But she did one where she was like, I'm the CNN reporter. And she was like, and we are waiting for the numbers that will change the numbers that we have once we get the numbers that are coming in. And then I'll send it to you. But it was so fucking good. (laughs) Breaking news report. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I didn't end up getting wasted. Or I mean, I was like kind of drunk, I guess. But it was funny because we the one time we didn't have CNN on was like when it fucking got called. Mm -hmm. But it was Saturday morning. It was we were making brunch for our anniversary and i like popped a bottle of prosecco for to have mimosas and the second i popped it i got a text on my phone from one of my friends from school that just said oh fuck yeah and i was You're like like i just called the election i'm a genius i'm a psychic watch out <laughs> long island medium i'm coming for your gig oh my god fun yeah yeah it was a good time we ended up drinking all day but very slowly throughout the day so we never were like wasted but then by the time we went to bed i was like i'm a zombie i'm so tired and then trying to wake up the next morning was very difficult yeah so a little bit similar to you but also very different a little less <laughs> conversation and a little more touch my body. yeah uh, yes <laughs> wait that reminds me. did i send you that uh did i send you that tweet of where is it the la rue one i don't think so oh yeah let me see if i can find it before I... the artist yeah let me see if i can find I it otherwise that i'm gonna just bulletproof yeah it wow. was um oh <laughs> it says <laughs> been there bareback messed around or whatever la rue said <laughs> oh my god I gotta go. <laughs> my Uber's here. I saw that and just dropped my phone and was like, I gotta go. I, uh... <laughs> so that uh, that reminds me, bringing Twitter into it, that finally we've gotten some constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Only took us, you know, 18 episodes. Six so months. Yeah. 
Um, shout out to one of our first guests, Sev, for telling me that we've been doing a shit job on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he said that we need to tighten up these intros a little bit because they're he maybe was like, a little what's bit the long-winded. point of it all? And we were like, we yeah. don't know. Yeah, I was like, we just want everyone to love us, right? Yeah. We're going to tighten this shit up a little bit, I guess. Maybe start bringing you guys our like meme of the week, our tweets of the week quick little check-in and then get into the interview or something but uh yeah let us know if you have any ideas let us know what's been working what hasn't been working for these intros and um maybe you'll get a shout out in the intro sometime yeah we want to start doing like questions of the week um topics of the week so dm us what dms of the week talk about you know if you Mm -hmm. if you need some advice (laughs) i give good advice i don't take advice well but silence that's <laughs> <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh-huh. i don't want to anyway. react to that one anyway matthew what's your what's your gay tweet of the week or your gay meme of the week well i did love the been there bareback messed around or whatever larue said that one was pretty funny <laughs> but another one that i thought was very funny and is um quite timely i might add so for those of you who haven't noticed um, a lot of the pro-Trump people have been on a stop the steal binge, or no, that's not the right word. Um, rampage. Rampage, that is the word I was looking for, actually. Thank you. Um, really? Because they think that, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, because they think that the Democrats have, are stealing the election away from Donald Trump. and um, It literally well, hurts my brain. I know. I'm like, they've had how many lawsuits thrown out in the last couple of days because there's no evidence. Anyway. Um, and so, so <laughs> somebody on Twitter posted these screenshots of a Facebook group that they, uh, I, I don't know if they were in it or not, but it um, it used to be a Stop the Steal Facebook group and someone changed the na- the cover photo to a picture of Biden and Obama running down a hallway with rainbow flags and changed the name to Gay Communists for Socialism. <laughs> and <laughs> people are definitely not having a good time with that. Lots of what the fuck is with the name change and I ain't about that gay shit and <laughs> what the hell? I didn't join no gay communist group. Oh my God. I did. I'm going to go join it right now. So I think what that's I'm my... Gay tweets of the week was from Jill Gutowitz. I probably butchered her last name, but she's fucking Is it hysterical. Gutowitz. 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 Um, but she tweeted on this on Saturday: lesbians taking to the streets, absolutely spraying bottles of oat milk like champagne. Which was just like <laughs> true. It was a scene. Saturday was a scene in West Hollywood and everywhere. Did you did you have uh, oatmeal sprayed on you by lesbians? Oat milk. Sorry, I meant to say oat milk. Ew, Sorry. can you imagine them just fucking <laughs> lobbing around hands, scoops of oatmeal? Ew, if if oatmeal, like, landed on me randomly in the streets, I would fully think someone threw puke on me. Oh, yeah. So that would be horrible. Holy. <laughs> and then another one that I just stumbled across earlier was Rudy Giuliani <laughs> arriving for his press conference at the Ritz, and it's him in fucking walmart with a bunch of ritz crackers behind him and it's so good so we're gonna start posting our favorite gay memes and tweets on the creating the air instagram account 
every week. Probably, what, Wednesday? Tuesday? Tuesday yeah, Wednesday, something like that. Wednesday. So. So I sure. guess I have to re-download Twitter and Instagram after I deleted them two hours ago because I start finals in a couple weeks, so. That sounds exactly Glo- like on November 1st <laughs> when I was like, I'm not going to drink for the month of November. And then I realized yeah. that it was like the election and I was like, yeah, I'm going to need wine. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah, so I made it a whole, like, 12 hours without drinking. Yeah. Well, now that we've already done it for this week and I can cool it a little bit, maybe I'll keep uh, I'll keep them off my phone for at least a couple more days. Yeah, I guess. Till, yeah, like, that'll last till I... Yeah, that'll last till, like, I don't know, 5 p.m., which is in 20 minutes. Um. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so late already. Anyway, so, yeah, the election happened. <laughs> hope you... Uh, hope everybody is safe. Um, yeah. I hope they take care of themselves because the fight that the right wing is going to put up about it could be long and dangerous and intense. So take care of your physical, emotional, mental health. Yeah, totally. Take some time off from the news and from social media and fucking protect your peace a little bit. Yeah, and then get right back at it because the fight doesn't end with this election. Yes, I'm going to do phone baking, I think, for John Ossoff, because I suddenly feel very inspired. Also, fuck Hell yeah. Yes, Um, for anybody who doesn't know. I know we've got some Georgia listeners out there, and we might even have a Georgia guest this week. I don't know. But um, (laughs) (laughs) there are uh, Senate runoffs happening in Georgia. So get in those. I believe those elections happen January 5th. They do. Matt, can you explain what a runoff is? Uh, yeah, I can try. Or why they happen. I know at least for one of them, you have to get at least 50% of the vote. And um, the Republican got like 49.997% of the vote. So it goes to a, a runoff. And I think the other one is because it, that was a two-person race. I think the other one is because it was a three-person race and there none of them 20. got. I think there were well, like 20 there... candidates. Oh. There were a bunch. Well, I, but yeah, yeah you have okay. to win a majority of the vote, and neither of them won yeah. a majority. Yeah. So. So, go John well, John. That, yes. Um, and, oh, what's the other guy's name? He's he's a superstar. He, he's a reverend. Um, and the other one is... But why is my father leaf-blowing right now? Sorry if you can hear that, guys. I can't it's, believe that they still haven't called all the states yet. Like, I can believe it, but it's also just wild. Yeah. Um, sorry, Senator Kelly Leffler, who's a Republican, and the Democratic challenger, Raphael Warnock. Oh, I do hear. Uh, yeah, like, fantastic timing, Dad. Thank you so much. I feel like this literally happens all the time. Well, it's a constant grievance my mother and I have with my dad in that he he's very handy around the house and is always doing projects but he doesn't start working on projects until like we're about to eat dinner or my mom and i get into bed and we're like why are you hammering now (laughs) you had all day to do this that's such a dad thing it's such a dead thing and like right now it's like getting dark and i'm like dad you had all sunlight day to do this and you can (laughs) barely see the leaves oh my god so Anyway, a little Love. insight into suburb, a yeah, little insight into the life and in, life in the suburbs right now, <laughs> living oh, at home at twenty six. 
yeah anyway Fine. so long-winded spiel with not great information on the two georgia senate runoffs but uh check it out people it's very important do some it phone is. banking call or your something. mom anything yeah she lives in georgia give her a call or if she doesn't live in Georgia, you should still give her a call. Just say hi. See how she's doing. Yeah. Make sure that she's not one of the people <laughs> thinking that Trump stole the or had the election stolen from him. And if she yes, did, that. educate her on how that's fucking stupid bullshit. And there's no yes. way that the election was stolen. Even the Republican governors of states are saying... It's over. That didn't happen. Yeah. So. Let it go. Anyway. Karen. <laughs> Elsa. All right, let's. Speaking of Georgia, why don't we. Well, that's where Kira lives. Oh, right. Segway. (laughs) Segoo. Let's get into this episode. Love it. We are joined today by Kira, or as she says in the episode, spelled like Sierra, one, two step, sub like Kira Knightley. Yeah. I think we talk about who Kira is and, you know, how we know her. But she's wonderful. She's a medical student. She's fourth year. Just she's applied brilliant. for residency. She's really fucking smart, yeah. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about OBGYNs. For, I think everybody knows what OBGYN is. I'm not even going to try to do this. <laughs> if not, well, was, Google is your friend. Educate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't we get into the episode and let her take over? Yeah. Oh, my God, should I apply to another credit card right now? (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Kira Hutchison, it is spelled like Sierra, but don't be confused. Um, She's Irish. Yes, pronounced like Kira Knightley. That's like my little, spelled like one, two step, pronounced like Kira Kira Knightley. (laughs) It's how I always, everyone can understand that way. (laughs) Um, And then, um, yeah, so I am a medical student in my fourth year at Emory. Um, I am very much just about to start the residency interview process and I'm going into OBGYN. Um, I'm from Northern Virginia and had never been in Atlanta or Georgia at all before my med school interviews and I love it here. Um, and I am extremely hyped to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're extremely hyped to have you. Yes, we are. Kira has been a part of this podcast in a way from the like beginning. From, from before the, the beginning, you before could the beginning. almost say. Yeah, we like, could definitely like, say like BC, like fifty BC. BC, yeah, yes. like before podcast BP, yeah, BPC. In, yeah. in a way, I would say like I I don't want to say like gave us the confidence or like a sh- reassurance, but like I think Kira was one of the first people, if not the first person that we mm-hmm. like explained like what we were thinking of doing and she was like yeah that's awesome i would listen to that and we we're like oh okay i think so you I were also a- like i think you were probably the first person that we told who wasn't like someone that we'd known for a long time who was just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. you should yeah. make a podcast like you had just <laughs> met us and you were like that sounds great 
But yeah, no, for everyone No, because we were listening. all just like sitting around the brunch table like talking about <laughs> things and you were like, we should do this. Like, we should have a podcast. And I was like, wait, yeah, you should have a podcast. <laughs> so, so, yeah, when, when I saw that it was actually happening, I was like, wow, this is... Mm-hmm. You're like, I've been waiting a year I for this. I dreamed in more, yeah. <laughs> we took our time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it only took a pandemic, but... I was going to say, COVID, like, all those... It's just the time to make it happen. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> no time like the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so we are stoked to have Kira here today. She has been one of the... I would say one of the, like, most incredible people I've met in the Matt. last, like, year and a half. She is so <laughs> wonderful and so fantastic. And every synonym there is for those words. Um, well, so. <laughs> back at you, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. I am hashtag blessed to know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, normal blessed, not just hashtag yeah. blessed. <laughs> and Aaron, we're just happy you're here. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just the producer. You're doing amazing, sweeties. Keep going. Keep going. Um, yes. But K- Kira and I met when when i was still living in atlanta i may resume living in atlanta someday who knows how this pandemic is gonna go but maybe kira goes to (laughs) med school with one of me and aaron's excuse me one of aaron and my's very good friends there she is uh yeah (laughs) miss grammar girl yeah from college well she dove at one of the schools in our conference Mm -hmm. and then she coached us and she coached us, yeah. Uh, the diamond community is very small, so we were very we good wrapped her into the Tufts universe, and we were like, "Come to us." Yes, yeah, so we're like, "You belong here." She's like, <laughs> "She was like, of. okay, you're fine." Yeah. <laughs> She's like, "I'm I'm still an East, but you know, I'm gonna, mm. I'm gonna roll." Um, yes. And then when I when I moved down there, I I met up with her because she was at um, Emory, and I met Kira, who was her roommate, and. It was a match made in heaven. Here we are. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then when Aaron was moving cross country, he Mm -hmm. drove through Atlanta and we all had brunch. It was cute. That was so fun. It was so so fun. I know. Emily made us a roommate brunch. So good. They were so good. Yeah. She made us like just for the roommates a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, this like the last time we did this was the time when (laughs) a year ago. The last time we had free time. (laughs) I know. Uh, You're almost done though with this phase. With Ah. this this part. But then you get to be a resident. Yeah, I'm not sure the free like fourth year med school is honestly like kind of peak free time. I'm not sure it gets any better than this. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, your, I don't want to say career, but like who you want to be as a doctor, your interests, yeah, your path, where, yeah. where you are and where you The evolution. Go. Yeah. So this is actually great practice because I'm going to have some interviews soon. So, you know, I can practice uh-huh. my little spiel. Um, That's what we're here perfect. for, baby. Appreciate you know? it very much. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I started out, um, I actually came into med school thinking I wanted to do general surgery and maybe surgical oncology. 
Um, okay, then, Meredith Gray. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. And then I, um, at the beginning of med school at Emory, they do this like shadowing thing for a week, basically before classes start. So you can sort of see the hospital. And I ended up at the Grady burn unit, um, which I actually was What's really... Grady? What is that? Oh yeah. So Grady's like the big public ho- hospital in Atlanta. Um, and it serves mostly, um, Patients from DeKalb and Fulton counties, um, and it's and if you've been paying attention if, to the election, yeah, yeah. you should know, those names. you should have heard of DeKalb and Fulton County by now. If you haven't, sorry, um, <laughs> catch up, welcome. Um, yeah. But basically, Get it if together. you, yeah, um, even uninsured and underinsured patients that live in DeKalb and Fulton County can get care, like including primary care and stuff at Grady. So it's, it's basically like a sort of safety net hospital and sees a lot of patients that, um, don't have insurance and like can't get care elsewhere. Um, so I, my like basically first week of med school, they, I was at the burn unit at Grady and it's like a level one trauma center. So they see some really intense, um, when you say burn, burn do you mean like fire? Yeah. Like fire. Yeah. Um, okay. So like as opposed to, I don't know. Burn could be like a last name. Oh, good point. I don't know. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't sure if it was like a section yes. of the Actual hospital. Actual burns, yes. <laughs> um, and they so it's been the, a long week. My brain is really messy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's like a really good thought. I would have yeah. never thought of that actually. No, actual burns. And so it was. Um, I mean, it's definitely really intense. But I was like this is really cool type of medicine and I could get really into this and like, I'm going to be a burn surgeon. And so I thought Whoa. that for like oh, most of med school, honestly, um, I was like, I'm going to do general surgery. I'm going to do burns. Cause burns is, I mean, I do like still have a really big soft spot for burns. Cause they, there's a lot of sort of um, like socioeconomic issues that come into play when people get burned during a, like on the job, there's a lot of sort of workplace mm. injuries. Um, and then there's also a lot of actually psychiatric things that happen, like mental health issues, unfortunately, um, with like self-injury as well. So there's, it, it definitely intersects a lot of um, sort of different things out, more so than normal, than a lot of other surgical specialties do. Um, hmm. So I really love that about burns. And I thought the burn surgeons were really awesome. Um, and I was like, I'm going to be a burn surgeon. <laughs> and then I thought that for like most of med school, did my surgery rotation, like had two weeks on burns, absolutely loved it, was still like 100%, I'm going to be a burn surgeon. Um, and then I did my OBGYN rotation a few months later and was like, oh no, <laughs> I really love this. Um, and I had a big crisis. Um, and I even have a document on my desktop that's called the crisis, which is listed out all the pros and cons of OBGYN versus surgery. Um, but I, in the end, I did end up deciding to do OBGYN because I think all the things that I was sort of trying to talk myself into liking about surgery, um, like OBGYN really has. So you have a lot of like long-term follow-up. Um, Mm. you see your patients over a long period of time. You can do like some primary care kind of preventive health, public health type of things. Um, but you also still get to operate. Um, there are, you know, like concrete problems that you can fix. Um, I also really love like on labor and delivery and with some of the inpatient gynecologic things that are like real true emergencies where you can save someone's life. Um, but there are other fields like that that have real true emergencies, but a lot of times the patients are kind of, um, 
are not like the age group of the OBGYN patients and the outcomes are a lot worse. So OBGYN kind of has mm. the like adrenaline and fast paced aspects, but the outcomes are overall a lot better. Um, and then the big thing that really drew me to it was, um, first of all, I really honestly love the like awkward conversations, like the outpatient, like tell me about your like w- weird, like thing that you're embarrassed to tell anyone about. And like, let's talk about your sex life and like, let's talk about your contraception and all the things and like things that people, you know, have like had stigma attached to, or like been embarrassed to talk about. Like I love like having those conversations. Um, <laughs> like, like all my friends are like, is it weird if I tell you about my period? I'm like, no, no, it's all, weird. It's all fine. Um, and then I love that. <laughs> so that I really think I like really, really love that. Um, and then I also think, um, and I mean, I think this has become really clear with the sort of national discourse over the last couple of months, especially, um, there's a lot of justice issues that are, you can impact on like a, both a patient level and all the way up to like the national level. Um, and a lot of the OBGYN physicians were some of the most like politically and socially active doctors that I've worked with. Wow. Um, hmm. Like, when the heartbeat bill was coming out in Georgia, the OBGYN residents were, like, coming off of their call and, like, going straight to the state capitol to protest. And I was like, I want wow. to be <laughs> with these kind of people. Oh, my God. Um, and I, and I sorry, like, just really quickly, the heartbeat yeah. bill was when, when there's a heartbeat, you can't have an abortion anymore because it's a baby, right? Just Yeah, basically. Okay. Yes, exactly. Because um, it's and a it, quote, unquote, like, real, it's, it's a living thing. Yes, in Georgia, and it did not pass, um, honestly. Was that 2018? Yeah, but it actually, Matt can explain the legal process that happened better, but it, (laughs) (laughs) Uh. it, it basically, it didn't, it like went back, it went through some other court recently that it had to get, um, like it only finally officially got struck down, like in the last month or two. Wow. Um, Yeah. And so the they were trying to push um, it for that long. They were like, "We're not gonna let this die." Mm. I mean, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna re they're yeah, gonna just yeah. continue to do back. that forever. I mean, Rename now it. that yeah. Amy Coney B is uh. on the Supreme Court, now you know we're trying to get it all. They're trying to get it. Not we. Sorry, that was yeah. a sarcastic we yeah. for the listeners. <laughs> um, they're trying <laughs> to get it all the way up and um, yeah. overturn Roe. But yeah, so I think like I really wanted to be in a field that has opportunities for like political activism um and i think you know there's like with abortion access and contraception access also um i think has been a big part of the discourse recently although it should have been for longer the disparities between um black and white patients with maternal mortality and like neonatal mortality um Mm -hmm. and then there's also definitely it intersects with a lot of lgbtq healthcare issues um you know there's a lot of data about like the that when you know transgender patients don't receive affirming health care that that leads to worse outcomes as well um and so it that's a field where kind of all those things come together and you you have an opportunity to make an impact both with the patients in front of you um and with like advocacy on a larger scale and so that definitely drew me to it that's awesome so here we are. <laughs> I, I'm going to just say it. I would hire you if in this was an interview. So thank you, you Matt. Got me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just send them and be like, instead of interviewing me, would you like to listen to Queer Just Bear? listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. 
Um, I actually, like, while we're talking about that, I do actually want to ask about, um, because trans healthcare is such a, a big deal. Yeah. Um, as, I mean, I know you're not a, a full on OBGYN quite yet, but do, do OBGYNs tend to see more, um, trans men or trans women? So OBGYNs tend to see more trans men. Okay. Um, because I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And so, um, it, and it kind of depends on the, um, you know, different subspecialties will see different sort of aspects for care. And so, um, I guess there, the, probably the specialties that transgender patients would be most likely to interact with are like urogynecology, which is surgical. Um, and mm-hmm. some of those will be providing gender affirming surgeries. There are also some like gender, um, affirming, just gender affirming hysterectomies that would be done by a general OBGYN. Um, and a hysterectomy is, is taking the <laughs> uterus out. Um, and you can also have the ovaries removed as well. And then, so like, um, that would stop a patient from having a period. Um, so that, you know, there's a whole spectrum of gender affirming surgeries. And so, um, if, if any surgeries that would involve like the uterus and the ovaries would be done by someone who had OBGYN training, there's a lot of sort of overlap with urology, which is what Michelle does. And there are some urologists who do, um, gender affirming surgeries as well. Um, and that can be for both trans men and trans women. Um, and then also family planning. Um, so, you know, everyone along the gender spectrum and along the sexuality spectrum, like needs birth control for various different reasons. And so, um, people in family planning, like can have specific expertise in like complex contraception management. And so for um, patients that are on hormone therapy, there's a lot of misconceptions about like who needs contraception and who doesn't. Um, And so like seeing a family planning specialist could be helpful for that as well. Um, Yeah. So that would be probably the most likely, um, but then in general, like the um, general OBGYNs can, would be most likely to see, yeah, trans men um, for regular preventive healthcare visits. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I think there's a big movement in the field to like improve instead of just talking about our patient population as women, like using gender neutral language, um, which I think has been really important because it's been, um, you know, it's, it's really isolating and really negating of people's experiences to say that everyone with a uterus is female and, it can really lead to worse outcomes when people are not getting um, affirming mm-hmm. care from their healthcare providers. Yeah, totally. Would you mind giving an example of some of that more gender-neutral term monology that you guys, or that the field is starting to adopt? Yeah, so one of the big ones that's starting to be used more is birthing people instead of women, um, huh. in like in terms oh. of labor and delivery. Yeah, um, so... And I think that's really important because um, it can definitely be stigmatizing for transgender patients to come in and be misgendered. Um, and, you know, there's a, a birth is like a really emotionally intense experience no matter how it goes. And so, yeah. you you know, you want to be providing supportive care in every way possible. And so a big part of that is like 
supporting someone's gender identity and like using the correct pronouns and everything. And so um, a lot of like reproductive justice organizations are starting to use the term birthing people instead of women or like, um, you know, like vagina owners or uterus owners. Like it it sounds kind of funny at first, but it's like, (laughs) it's actually, it's, it is more inclusive to say than just like women's health um, because there are a lot of people who don't, you know, who are not women who have, um, a uterus or a vagina and like still need to see an OBGYN or, um, a, you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so important and so yeah. cool. It's, I, it makes me happy that like, it seems like the field as a general is like, or it, I, that was not normal English. Um, <laughs> it makes me happy to just think that like the field in general is like actively trying to be as inclusive and them. respectful as possible. Yes. Yeah. And I will say like piggyback onto that. Um, also, there are people that trained a lot a long time ago and I'm sure people who are training now who like have their biases and who aren't going to change the pronouns that they use and like aren't going to provide supportive care and like if that's who you're seeing like you need to find someone different because it it's not like you shouldn't have to submit yourself to being misgendered or like mistreated if your healthcare provider is not willing to do their research and catch up to where the field is that's That's so true that's (laughs) so i've never really thought about how like with the new generation of doctors that are becoming doctors of course that's going to change, but I've like never really thought about how like, you know, an 80 year old doctor who's rooted in all of that. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think a lot of like queer women have had the experience of going to an OBGYN where they're like, are you sexually active? Yes. Is there any chance you could be pregnant? No. And then the doctor's like, wait, I don't understand. (laughs) And And it's like, if they don't understand, like, you can try to educate them, but also, like, you need to find someone who does. Because yeah. that's, like, kind of, I mean, it, it should be bare minimum. You should be able to wrap <laughs> your mind around that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Whoa. I, I, I bet you there have been so many doctors that have, that's happened to you where they, like, probably would actually be, like, fine with it i mean i guess maybe yeah, if they can't yes. like wrap their minds around it like maybe that's an issue in and of itself but that are just like they like, get home they're later probably, and they're like i'm such an asshole like, yeah, i'm I such know. a dick like i'm so dumb <laughs> yeah no and that's actually um i mean i've had that experience with like um especially on labor de- labor and delivery like one of the first lessons i think you learn is never assume that you know who's in the room with a patient like don't assume it's a sibling. Don't assume it's a partner. Like just ask first things first, like who's in the room with you. Cause like I one time had an experience with like, um, a polyamorous couple that had, um, that was doing like a, essentially like the man in the relationship was, was in the, in a relationship with two different women. And one of them was having a baby and the other woman was in the room with her. And I like assumed they were a lesbian couple and didn't ask at the beginning. And then they started saying things that I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And so I definitely have, um, I've definitely learned like, it's always better just to clarify and to ask from the Mm -hmm. get go, like 
who's because you know you can't you definitely can't assume like what people's relationship or sexual orientation uh-huh. or gender identity or anything is just from walking in the room so it's better just to ask totally to so i assume that that conversation happens before the like big uh push you know you, I, feel yeah. like you're, I mean you're hopefully like... <laughs> as long as the patient doesn't roll in like basically like, about to have a baby labor. but yeah <laughs> i can just imagine you like walking into the room this woman is like i don't know incredibly dilated and yes <laughs> nice and terms Matt. Just, 10 centimeters you. yeah <laughs> yeah and you're just like so who's in the room with you and yeah. she's like this fucking baby i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> no yeah i mean definitely there are times when there's other priorities but um if you are in a calmer situation it's definitely always better to be like so who do we have here? Because it's never, yeah, I think everyone has, I all definitely all the OBGYN residents have like stories of times when they guessed who it was and like really guessed wrong. So it's just always better to, uh, yeah. All right, so now that we know all about your... Uh, I wasn't I sure if you were going to, like, lead, like if you yeah. had more questions on that topic or if we should yeah. pivot. I mean, I've got a million questions, but I want to hear about yeah. her as a person a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So, Kira, t- tell us a little bit about you that's not related to to law school oh my god sweetie <laughs> uh sorry that's to a freudian slip <laughs> uh, that's not uh, related to law school <laughs> yeah tell us something about you that's not related to law school uh, she's like okay. everything um, i just i yeah. tried I, that was the last yeah. question i just answered it was uh, hopefully Jesus. not related to law. <laughs> sorry yes yeah. yeah, so how did you get to where you were how did I get to where I am? Oh, that is such a <laughs> Why are you on the question. pod? <laughs> this is honestly just like great interview practice. Um, so, <laughs> except I'm probably not going to be like cracking up the whole time. Maybe. maybe I mean, I will. May- that's I a know. sign of a good interview. We'll see, maybe. I guess. Yeah. Totally. Comfortability. Um, yes. So, um, let's see. Yeah. So, I um, am from Northern Virginia. I think I said that. Um, and mm. I grew up in a pretty conservative family. Um, my, I was evangelical Christian growing up. Um, and definitely, Whoa. yes. <laughs> um, and you know, have a lot of complicated thoughts and feelings about that. Um, mm. and I basically didn't come out until I was in medical school. Um, and I think a lot of that definitely had to do with my upbringing um, and just sort of not having an accurate idea or like representation of what it meant to be queer and like what that could possibly look like since I didn't have any one around me that I knew or like any Mm -hmm. sort of example or um, you know not even just example but like people who understood what that even was Um, and so yeah it just it took me a long time to figure it out Um, thankfully in med school I've had a lot of really supportive friends, including Michelle, has definitely been my, like, extra therapist. <laughs> um, but everyone needs a real one, also. Just a little plug for that. Um, your friends can't be your only therapist. Um, but, yeah, and then, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. So I think about two, a little over two years ago was when I first started coming out to my um, friends, like mostly my close friends from home and med school. Um, and then only to my family in like the last like couple of months, honestly. Um, and yeah, it's been an interesting <laughs> journey for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, because the evangelical Christian conservative upbringing thing is, uh, jumping out to me. Yeah. I'm just curious if you feel comfortable talking about how it's been coming out to your family. Yeah, for sure. I can talk about that. I mean, I think, um, so my parents have definitely become much, much, much more progressive as I've grown up. Um, and you know, they've, they've changed their mind about a lot of issues. And so by, by the time I came around to telling them, it wasn't like I was, you know, afraid of being, um, disowned or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, in a way I'm, I'm kind of glad that it took me this long to realize because I think that like my parents have had experiences along the way as I've grown up that have sort of expanded their view about, um, like, you know, like having, having gay friends, my mom's a teacher and like having, um, Mm. like gay and trans students. Um, I think that's definitely sort of given them a, a broader view than I had and they had like in my church growing up. Um, and so, you know, (laughs) when I first told them, it was kind of like, they were like, (laughs) and I was like, like the silence and then um my parents were still just kind of like and I was like okay um, and then my mom was like we're not saying anything because we're just processing and I was like okay um, and I was like I've you know been processing a lot too and like if you want any book or podcast recommendations or anything like I'm let me know when you're ready for those and um and then my mom was kind of like said something about podcasts and I was like okay we're like I think we're gonna be done let's change the subject um and then but then later that night like my mom came back around I think she needed like you know an hour to process and um and then she came back and was like was extremely supportive and like really great about it um Mm. and I think and like she's been really good about um like asking about my girlfriend and stuff like that and um you know like my my parents have definitely I think it's gonna take them a while to fully wrap their minds around the idea similarly to how it took me like 24 years or whatever to wrap my mind around the idea but um but yeah they've they've definitely come a long way and I think um they've in they've been really supportive even though I think they were like definitely surprised by it that's great that's good do you have siblings yes i have two younger sisters um and i told them a little bit before i told my parents uh the thing is they both like follow me on social media so they were both like duh like Like, my younger sister was like yeah like i saw the rainbow flag in your instagram bio and i like kind of wondered and then my other sister was like yeah i've known for like two years i was just gonna wait for you to tell me i was like i mean i've barely known for two years like could you have told me first oh my god (laughs) yeah no they were they were great um and they were both reassuring i think before i told my parents of being like you know, even if it's hard for them to wrap their heads around, like they're going to be supportive and like, they're going to love you no matter what. And so it was, it was helpful to have 
yeah them, totally like mm-hmm. to talk to them about for about it first that's awesome so you said that it you didn't really kind of realize until you were like 24 two, 24 yeah. four i think yeah yeah 24 yeah wait how, wait when did you graduate college 2016 oh wait how old are you now i'm 26 26 yeah, I had to think about it for a second. Yeah, I'm 26. <laughs> so you've only been out for two years? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, like a little over. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was that realization process like? Because I think, like, mm-hmm. in my experience, it was kind of, like, I kind of realized when I was a lot younger, mm-hmm. like, it was kind of, uh, like, through puberty and, like, middle school when everyone's kind of going through that like oh my god yeah. like the like romantic interest whoa like what's happening like why do i feel these things like that's when i kind of realized and i've heard from other people that like they kind of figured out then so like what Same. was it, so what was it like kind of realizing that not in puberty yeah no i mean that's such a good question cuz i think so the thing that's funny now looking back is like I can totally pick out, like, every single one of my friends that I had a crush on and, like, that it was different (laughs) from my other friends. But, like, I did not know at the time that I was, like, oh, yeah, like, she's so pretty and, like, so cool. And, like, why am I so jealous when she has a boyfriend? And, like, now I'm, like, what was I – like, how did I not put that together? Um, But I think – um, I mean, I think from what I was saying before about not having representation, like in in the church, a lot of the time the conversation is like just about sex. And mm. like if you're not having sex or like it's not like physical attraction or like, you know, like physical temptation or whatever, you don't like that's what it is to be gay. And so the like emotional component was never presented to me. Um, so I think it, oh, that made it really hard for me to realize that, like, these, like, really intense friendships that I was having and, like, really strong feelings I was having for my friends were at also a sign of, like, romantic attraction. Um, hmm. And then I think, honestly, to figure it out, I just, like, had to say it out loud and be like, I think this might be a thing and tell someone and then be like, does that explain everything? (laughs) And then sort of think back and be like, yeah, like it, it a hundred percent does. Um, and I, I, I think the thing with the friendships with not knowing what was happening was definitely like, I got myself into some less healthy friendships where I was like letting Mm -hmm. myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. overcommit and like be the one who cared a lot more and was like, why do other people like not let their friends treat them this way basically and like why why am I like caring so much when other people don't care that much about their friends um so then to kind of been there look yeah (laughs) to to look back and be like okay so like if I said I was gay like could that be the thing that tied (laughs) all of this together and the answer was like aha yes it does (laughs) um but it definitely um and it was really funny one of my one of my, like, probably, I think, like, the second person that I came out to was another friend who also grew up, like, in the same church that I grew up in and, like, has come out as queer later in life. And I texted them and was like, um, 
like so like how did you figure out all these things about your sexuality like it was so it's very complicated to untangle like what's me and what's the church and like what do I what do I what's like my own feelings versus what are things that have been taught to me and they just sent me back the meme that was like I'm gonna save you some time if you're googling am I gay quiz you are gay and that's <laughs> <laughs> like oh okay shit thank you <laughs> yeah like all right cool gotcha that's like, I so sent this, funny. like, paragraph-long text, and oh then my God. they just sent that back, and I was like, okay, fine. God that's damn it. The, uh, <laughs> that's gotta be the Instagram, like, quote. Yeah. Of, like, if oh, you're 100%. Googling the Am I Gay quiz. Yeah. Okay. 100%. I know. And, like, that's I mean, amazing. I feel like my first Am I Gay quiz was probably, like, age, like, thirteen. Like, I, I mean, I, yeah. that was definitely in puberty, for sure. Like The BuzzFeed ones. But I was, like... I mean, you can you can answer them, you can skew it how you want to skew yeah. it. I don't know oh. what you how many am I gay quizzes y'all have taken, but like you can a number <laughs> a few. Yeah, like it depends <laughs> on what kind of mood you're in. If you're like, hmm, I want to kind of see if this is the thing. Like you're gonna skew more, and then if it you're was like, the no, same I'm thing definitely with, like, straight. <laughs> like, did you take the Kinsey scale quiz too? Oh, hundred percent. Like it was the same thing where it was like obviously like you knew what you were doing with the questions. Like I was like I could make this say whatever I wanted to say. Yes. But the manipulation. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. I mean sometimes I would take it and I'd be like yeah I'm definitely straight and then sometimes <laughs> totally. I take it yeah um, and then sometimes I take it and be like oh that's concerning weird okay hmm has to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try again. <laughs> yeah. Got it. It's like you shake the, maggot, the magic eight ball, and it's like, try again exactly. later. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like, I was just answering that as a test. Those weren't my real answers. Let's, let's yeah. try again with my real answers. Oh my did you ever watch, this is kind of a tangent, but did you ever watch Jennifer's Body with Megan Fox? No, I did not. You? What is that? You need I'm to sorry, watch what? it. Everyone. Jennifer's Body, it's like, it's a Iconic. 2009 cult classic movie that has Jennifer Fox, or Jennifer Fox, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried. And it was directed by Diablo Cody, and it is wow. one of the best queer movies that has ever been made. Um, ever. I, I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but I've like harassed my friends to watch it. It's so good. It's like, it's technically like horror, but it's like not horror. It's like 2009 funny gore. Okay. But one, the, like the biggest subplot line is that um, the like the fine line between like female friendships crossing the line into yeah. like romantic feelings and how they kind of blur together and how they're super they can be super toxic and they can be super like yeah yeah oh, wow and what you, i like, definitely yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you, you should watch it it's it's so yeah. good i mean everybody should watch it but <laughs> yeah. you specifically yeah yes. everybody <laughs> should watch sounds, it yeah i mean yeah. i'm like obviously i i came late to the party so i'm like catching up no, on everybody all of my come, i know everybody you're comes right you guys Uber say that all the time and every okay. time I, I do snaps like as i'm listening on my run i'm like <laughs> you're right you're right um, but yeah no but i'm like catching up on all my you know the the classic movies um, i mean me too so oh like, me three i'm I, still watching the movies and like <laughs> Even last week, Matt was like, you haven't watched Witches, which I guess is, like, a gay... I mean, that was less of a queer thing and more of a, like, I watched this when I was a little kid. More of, like, like, a 90s kid thing, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. It is camp personified. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is something. It's an acid trip. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But... When I was when I was talking to Matt about this earlier, I was saying that like I'm very curious because you 
have been around the podcast since the beginning and the pre the pre ages. I'm curious, kind of where you wanted to go because I feel like you probably have your own ideas of things that you want to talk about, and I I would love to see what you're thinking. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think the like talking about the like figuring out being um you know, like, figuring out that you're being, that you're gay, like, growing up in the church is definitely, I have a lot more to say on that. Oh my god, sure. spell. Um, yeah, I would like to hear Yeah, that. I mean, just to, to sort of talk about what I was saying before about the, um, like, the not having any representation, um, mm. and I, I know y'all have talked before about, like, representation in media, um, and, like, how important it is to have, to, like, see examples or, like, have, you know, having friends and stuff, and that, how that can help people kind of, um, be confident in their identity. Um, I also, I, I think the other thing is like having people like that even accurately understand like what it is to be queer, like to, (laughs) that's like something that I think a lot of people growing up in like a, a, a pretty limited Christian bubble don't have. And like the sort of concept of like being gay that I grew up with was, very very limited um and like you the thing that never gets talked about is like relationships and love and like you know like having a partner and sacrifice and all the sort of values that are part of having romantic attraction to someone um and I I think it was kind of always like I mentioned before it was kind of always only talked about in terms of sex and so it was really easy to be like okay, well, like, if I'm not having gay sex, then, like, I'm not gay, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, like, kind of easy to laugh about now, but it's, like, it it makes it really hard for you to sort out all these complicated feelings when you're a teenager or, or, like, even for me in college, being, like, well, you know, if I am, if I'm, like, you know, think girls are prettier or whatever, like, maybe that's just my experimental phase, but, like, I'm definitely still straight and that's just, like, a thing that happens is like physical attraction, but I never put that together with the like what was happening in my friendships and like the friends mm-hmm. that I had crushes on that was in um you know like a non sexual way, but just having like strong romantic feelings for someone um yeah. I never put that as I never like realized that that was what was happening at all um and that it made honestly made it really hard for me to figure out, and it also made. Um, like I was mentioning before, it made it hard for me, I think, to have like healthy boundaries in friendships because I didn't know like what was happening, um, and why I was feeling as strongly as I was and like why other people weren't, didn't have friendships like that. Um, and I, I think that's kind of, you know, I think it's, I think that's why representation is so important and also making sure that like the depiction that you're getting like if the only thing you've heard about like what it is to be gay is coming from like the straight people that are the ones who are talking in your church then like you you need to understand that there there's a there's other voices out there that you need to be listening to um Mm. and like you haven't gotten the whole picture and I think that's like something I kind of wish I would have realized growing up and um I don't think I was in a position to, to realize that because there was no, you know, there was, there was no voice saying like being gay can just be like 
you're normal and happy in your relationship and like things are going well and you love each other and support each other. Like that was never anything that was part of the conversation. It was always just about like sex and like physical attraction and, you know, temptation and sin and all those things. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense because I guess in terms of like, you know, stereotypes of evangelical Christian, um, beliefs and whatnot, like it, and it, even in like movies and TV shows and stuff like it, you know, gay sex is what is talked about a lot, mm-hmm, but I, yeah. I would, I would have never linked it or boiled it down to just that the way that you talked about. So, I mean, that is just so interesting. Intercourse versus relationships. Yeah. yeah. And it's never like the, I think it honestly makes it easier to like, to say that people are wrong or to like politically oppose their rights and stuff when you're, when you're boiling it down to like the act Mm -hmm. of sex and not thinking about like the love and the relationships part of it. And that's, and I mean, I like, I say that and I don't want to, um, I don't want to say that it's wrong for people to be, you know, like just seeking out sexual relationships. I don't think like that's, I don't, I don't think that's a, wrong thing to want but I think that like in if you're viewing the full spectrum of like what it means to be queer you have to include like the emotional Mm -hmm. aspect of it not just the physical aspect of it yeah wow um so how has your relationship with your religion kind of changed over the past two years yeah I mean it's it's definitely been hard because I think there are aspects of the church and like of my religion and everything that I grew up with that I still really love and have been a really important part of my life um I think the biggest most important thing to me to remember was that or to to learn I guess um is that there are like a very broad spectrum of people who would consider themselves Christians and that they like identify um, or like interpret the Bible in a very wide variety of ways. And like you, I'd say so. (laughs) Even the people who think that they are completely interpreting it literally are like still picking and choosing which things they're interpreting literally. And so like, it's not, you know, the people who are like, while in Leviticus, it says that, like, <laughs> you know, but, like, there there are also other parts of the Bible that they're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a metaphor, or, like, that was only cult- culturally relevant for that time, and it's like, okay, so why, like, why is that part culturally relevant for that time? Um, like, I mean, the example that always gets me is, like, there's, like, a verse that says that, like, women always need to cover their head in the church, and, like, my church that I grew up in, women did not cover their head in the church, so, like, why was that part culturally relevant and the other parts were not, were like applicable across all generations. Um, And so I think just realizing that like there's a big spectrum of, um, of people who interpret the Bible um, in a, a wide range of different ways was really helpful for me. I think I'm still definitely sorting out like how much of it I'm still on board with and agree with and, um, I like don't really have a good answer for where like where I fall on a lot of things right now, but I think um even just having the having the concept that um you know you can still you can still like have faith 
and it doesn't have to be this like extremely literal like fundamentalist version of it it was like really valuable to me and sort of gave me the freedom to be like okay I can kind of sort through things and think through this and um you know read a lot of books and listen to a lot of podcasts and be like how much of this am I really still on board with and I don't have like a strong I don't have a good answer for that right now but um I'm like more reassured that there it it's not the end of the world if I have separated from like this one very small segment of Christianity. It's definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can affirm that. Um, yes. I'm also curious what, what do like evangelical Christians, what is their view on like abortion and like a woman's right to choose with all of that? <laughs> I know oh. nothing about Christianity. Also, oh. I grew up Jewish. Oh, this never is my other, church. this like, is my other soapbox. Yes. Okay. Um, well, st- and- stand on it and preach loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we okay. You can tell me to stop whenever because I can literally go on about this round. Um, okay. Good. So essentially, <laughs> educate um, us. <laughs> the the evangelical stat like opinion on abortion is that like it's always wrong. It should be illegal. Life begins at conception. My little parentheses to that is that like conception is a very loose concept scientifically and it's not there's not like one single moment that you can point to so it's a little hard to say like life begins at conception no matter what but putting all that aside it's like so like some people would say that it's like sperm and egg meat and others like when the fetus forms or just like even the process of like the sperm fertilizing the egg it's not like there's like a a second where that happens it happens over days and then like the sperm hits the egg and then like (laughs) it happens over days that the egg implants and so like does it count when the sperm hits the egg or does it count when it implants and that's why like some people will say that um plan Uh, b and stuff is abortion because it happens between when the sperm hits the egg and when the egg implants and like generally scientifically conception is defined as like when the egg implants Okay. Um, because like an ectopic pregnancy where the um where the egg doesn't implant in the uterus is not considered to be like a viable pregnancy and so it's not considered to be abortion to like end an ectopic pregnancy so if you're going to define like conception to be when the sperm hits the egg then like saving someone from dying from an ectopic pregnancy is like technically abortion but i don't think anyone medically would say that that's true um, Aaron, feel free to cut this if this is getting like too detailed <laughs> on like ectopic pregnancies and whatnot. But if you, I mean, how how long can somebody keep their pregnant, their uh, stay pregnant if it's an ectopic pregnancy? So it, I mean, it really just depends where it is and okay. um, whether it ruptures or not. Um, but so I've actually, I actually saw a patient who had. Um, essentially one where it ruptured and then sort of, this is like getting a little medically graphic, so we can cut this, but like, um, (laughs) it, it sort of like kind of scabbed over and like the tissue sort of started to grow back and the, the uterus was, or like the tube, the the fallopian tube was kind of like sticking to the abdominal wall. So the patient wasn't bleeding anymore. So she was actually like pretty stable, even though she already had had a ruptured ectopic. So the, I don't think there's like, a, I mean, I can look this up and fact check myself later, but I don't think there's like a set cutoff of like, this right. is when, um, but essentially like it can, 
a ectopic pregnancy is like something that needs to be medically treated um right away and a ruptured ectopic is like a medical emergency because of the bleeding like, like it could kill bleed the into your abdomen yeah yeah and so um so but anyway like that's that's not that pregnancy like has not implanted in the uterus so like so medically you, you wouldn't that consider uh, that uh, treating someone for an ectopic is an abortion like that's not it's not an abortion but okay, it's not gonna but become a people no i think chance. a lot of people who say like life begins at conception don't even know that the sperm hitting the egg and the egg implant like all of that is like a problem it's not like boom baby days. it's not like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <a> child. <laughs> uh so anyway yeah so that's that's kind of the baseline of the of the belief system and i think like that's something that you can debate about like when does life begin all day long um but i think also unfortunately uh the um pro-life and i use a lot of quotes around both the word pro and the word life in that um when i say that but i think that movement has also unfortunately relied on a lot of like very unscientific information um and that's stuff that i haven't learned about until i've gotten into medical school honestly because i i had like sort of an ethical issue with the pro-life movement and being like why why are you you know against abortion but not caring for life in other like in the death penalty and in war and in like totally. healthcare and all those things but i didn't understand the scientific inaccuracies but i think um the more i've learned about it like the pro-life movement also relies on a lot of sort of scare tactics um like a lot of the stuff that they say about fetal pain is really inaccurate and like not backed up by scientific literature um a lot of the ways that they characterize abortion procedures like they tend to focus on the late term like the the ones mm -hmm. that are performed later in the pregnancy which are the like very very small minority of cases yeah, it's like instead 1%, of the ones that are right? yeah i mean yeah like third trimester abortions are less than one percent um any abortions past like the viability threshold are less than one percent so um just the fact that like you've chosen to focus on those which are the minority sort of raised some red flags for me um, the only minority and they then, focus on Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let me turn the kettle yeah. on. <laughs> um, and then a lot of sort of false information about fetal development and like when different things happen um, and, you know, like, and the long-term negative effects of abortion, like a lot of pro-life people will say, there's, you know, increased risk of miscarriage with abortion. There's, like, increased risk of mental health problems. And, like, none of that has ever been shown to be true with any sort of scientific data. Um, so my, like, biggest issue, I think I do kind of, I do understand that if you think that life begins at conception, like, however you define that, and you think abortion is killing a life, that, like, if that's murder, you would be opposed to it. But I don't understand why you need to use scientific like lies to support your your plan and yeah. then my the other big thing i have is that um or my other sort of like big soapbox around that is that if you um like there there's good data to show from comparing countries where abortion is um less regulated versus more regulated that like more heavily regulated abortions don't lead to fewer abortions it just leads to more unsafe abortions and like it's actually usually the abortion rate tends to be lower in countries where the abortion laws are 
like more liberal. And so if your actual goal is to decrease the number of abortions, like making them illegal doesn't work. And all you're doing is like in- increasing the number of unsafe ones, which are potentially life-threatening and like could end up killing the patient. And that doesn't seem very pro-life mm-hmm. to me. So I think, yeah, the, the definitely the evangelical, so to circle back to your original question, the, definitely the evangelical view is like life begins at conception and abortion is wrong and like therefore it should be illegal. Um, but I think all three of those have some, some potential flaws with them. That's you... so fascinating. And it really... I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you too, like, what would you say to someone who's like, pro life? Because like, I see them on my Facebook timeline every yeah. once in a while, and all these things, and it's like, but you, you hit pretty much every nail on the head, or like every aspect that <laughs> yeah. I can think of, like every real argument. And I, the only other thing I would add is like, you need to look at the things that we have actual evidence for what decreases the abortion rate, because I don't think like there's, I don't think there's anyone that wants the abortion rate to go up. But, like, making abortion illegal is not the thing that decreases the abortion rate. So why would you focus your attentions on that? And the things that we know do, like, the yeah, and contraception access. Like, the abortion rate has gone down as the pregnancy rate has gone down. Um, And the best explanation for that is that, like, more access to contraception has led Mm -hmm. to fewer abortions. And so if if what you really, really want is for, for there to be fewer abortions, then, like, cool <laughs> like let's let's get contraception out there for everyone yeah. and also if you um you know there's definitely a um like abortion rates tend to skew towards um lower income and so if like there's higher there's a higher um abortion rate in the in lower income populations and so and that i mean it makes total sense because if you don't have good childcare protection and you don't have good health care and you don't have, um, you know, the economic means to care for a child, like why would you want to have a child? And so totally addressing all of those issues with like maternity and paternity leave and, um, you know, universal health care access and all those things are going to be much more likely to decrease the abortion rate than like things that we don't know don't work, which is making it illegal. Mm. So I, I like I can't I just get like ugh, when, <laughs> when people are like overturn row also that gets into the whole thing of like do, I don't know if you understand like how states work <laughs> like I'm I'm no law student but like I don't think that this is like making overturning row is gonna stop abortion in America necessarily um and mm, it's yeah, not yeah it's gonna it's going to be horrible in every sense of the word if they were to overturn Roe, um, especially for people. I mean, I think you can you can almost think about each state as like its own nation, I guess, mm-hmm. in this in regard to this issue. And <laughs> also, right. I want to let everybody know before I like start talking about this, that like I am a second year law student. I am not a barred attorney. Do not take this as legal advice. <laughs> and, like, I'm surely to get something wrong. But in general, like each state can Unless, like, the federal government says, like, it is straight up illegal to do this. Like, no state can make a law that, like, permits abortion. Like, each state can do what it wants in terms mm-hmm. of, like, regulating abortion. And so I think you can comp- you could probably compare it to, like, how you were saying, like, different countries 
um, their like access to abortion doesn't mean that like less abortions are happening. Yeah. It just means that, um, I don't know if I said that right, actually. Um, no, 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 you, yeah. Like oh, okay. decrease or, I mean, I guess I would say not access, but I'd say like legally, yeah. If you the stri- basically regulated. like the it, yeah, the the higher the more heavily regulated or like more restrictive abortion laws like don't decrease the right of abortions. Yeah. Exactly. So and, it's just going to it's going to hurt the people who are in those states where it is more heavily regulated in a negative way. Yeah. Because there's still there's still going to be people who need abortions, there're going to be people who get abortions. It's just they're going to get them illegally they're going to travel to another state and potentially get one which their state may criminalize that Mm -hmm. you know they might make it illegal for residents to go to other states to get abortions they could do a number of things i mean if roe gets overturned there's like a whole litany of things that could that could happen but um you know it's it's a real mess yeah but not not quite yet so well well although louisiana just passed a nice uh trigger law yeah i mean I was, I actually texted some of my friends about this. So for people who don't know, um, in the election, the people of Louisiana voted and decided that, um, oh, what was it exactly that? Like there is no, oh, there's no there's constitutional, no constitutional right, right. Yeah. to an abortion. And so I texted my friends about this. And I was like, can, can you do that when the Supreme court has already enshrined that this is like a, a right and so we, we as second year law students who are not constitutional law attorneys <laughs> determine that like maybe they can decide, they can decide that in terms of like their state constitution, which like wouldn't really have an effect on like what the federal government is saying that they have to allow. Um, so like they can put it in their state constitution, but they still have to follow what the federal government is saying in terms of abortion so that like if Roe gets overturned, like immediately it would trigger that state law to be in effect or that constitute that state constitutional provision to be in effect. But what we really think the whole purpose of it is a that, but B they're, they're going to do that. Someone's going to deny abortion based on that constitutional provision even though they like technically can't do that it's going to get challenged it's going to go to court it's going to go all the way up to the supreme court and they're going to overturn roe v wade that's kind of the whole point of it so even though they like technically they they can do that on a state level but they can't really stop abortion they they technically aren't able to stop abortions with that like the the goal is to overturn roe so yeah that was my understanding of like what the point of the georgia heartbeat bill was too like, I don't mm-hmm. think they thought it was actually going to pass, but I think that the reason that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like, legally, but the um, the reason that they tried to push it through was not to pass it. It was to get it, to keep pushing it up, to get it eventually to the Supreme Court. And, like, I don't know um, wherever it just got overturned. Like, I think they're just going to try again. Not and sure. keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... I'm not sure. Anyway. But, yeah, there's a lot of abortion talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you I can get yeah. very fired up about this. <laughs> um, so, I mean, sticking to the medical thing, and I, or going back to the medical thing, mm-hmm. I guess we never really got off of it, but have <laughs> you, as a queer woman, 
found that there have been any situations where your queer identity made a patient more comfortable or that you were able to provide care in a in a better way um yeah I I I mean (laughs) I think so my my very favorite patients are teenagers um like I love (laughs) the awkward teenagers that are like kind of having sex I'm like I don't know what you like that's my, those are like my favorite <laughs> I'm like okay let's like, um and so I think um I think any interaction that I've had with a teenager because the teenagers are so much more woke than like even we are and so I think like coming Thanks, at a te- yeah seriously coming and into a conversation with a teenager and like you know, not assuming ever from the get-go that, like, you know who the, um, the, like, sexuality and gender identity of them or their partners, it, like, allows you to have so much more productive conversations with them, and they are much more willing to, like, tell you what's actually happening, um, and I think, like, I think that's been true with, like, most of the teenagers, even the ones that are, um, in, like, straight relationships or only having, um, like sex with the opposite gender. Like I think still they appre their generation is like much more appreciative of the um like open and inclusive language and I think <laughs> they're more willing to sort of um be like honest and um trust you with like very personal things. Um and then that like allows the healthcare provider to give more like accurate counseling um so I think and I think it's just you know like being a queer woman has made me more aware of that because I think um I've seen like even in my own experiences as a patient like times when people have when doctors have like made assumptions or like not asked all the right questions um and so and and it just like makes you not want to tell them things you know <laughs> like yeah. when you're like okay well like i you you asked you you like didn't even it puts you on the defense to, yeah exactly and like and makes you just be like well why would i trust you to know answers to my questions if like you're not even asking me the right questions um and so i think it it can definitely make it more comfortable with um with patients when you can you know be non-judgmental and like open and not make assumptions about them. Um, and I think definitely same thing with what kind of circling back to what we were saying about, um, like in labor and delivery, like not assuming that, you know, patient who patients partners are, um, or that like the person that, um, you know, like they might have gotten pregnant with another partner, but the person that's with them now is like, might be a different partner than the one that they got pregnant with or something like like things like that and I think you can just have more honest conversations with patients if um yeah if they you know if you if you can be open and not make assumptions um and like I you know I have my like you know the little like uh pole thing with the snake around it the medical sign Mm -hmm. I have like a rainbow one of those on my white coat and like my little pronoun pin and I'm like I think I'm probably offending some people with this but also like the people that are offended like eh, (laughs) sorry not that sorry Um, 2020 yeah exactly welcome here we are um yeah so I yeah I definitely think um, and I hope going forward, like with future patients that, 
um, it will make me um, be more open and inclusive and like more willing to ask open-ended questions and not make assumptions of my patients. Uh, and I've definitely seen examples of where that's been beneficial so far. Totally. That's awesome. And what you're describing about like this, I, I think it's so incredible that, and I think it's just an important facet of medicine that we all have to like appreciate when it's done well is this like complete mm-hmm. lack of ju- like judgment towards people. Yeah. Like you can't have, you can't judge a patient. And this is one thing, oddly enough, my yeah. senior year of high school, I thought I was going to be a doctor. So I did like a shadowing program in my local mm-hmm. hospital and like learned about all the different things and whatnot. But, and I mean, I think they talk about it a little bit on like Grey's Anatomy and like The Good Doctor and all those TV shows about how, you know, you have someone come in and they're dying in the ER and they have a giant swastika on their chest and it's like, you, yeah. you can't refuse to mm-hmm. to help yeah. them just because you're like, well, they're a fucking asshole. And I mean, that yeah. that's a little bit tangential from like judging yeah. someone about like <laughs> having a different parent versus the person who's in, or like a partner who versus yeah. the one who's in the room. But I, I like... I think it's incredible that you're able to do that and like it's something that I work on is like the lack of judgment and I like I applaud all medical professionals who are who do that very well I mean I I do think it's a lot harder like when I walk in and there's a MAGA hat I'm like (gasps) do I have to help them (laughs) deep breaths deep breaths um so that I do think that's a lot harder than the um like awkward teenager who's embarrassed about who they're having sex with you know like those are the ones where I'm like tell me more um but yeah but and I also think too like growing up without having someone who had those um like I, I didn't have anyone to like ask those questions to or like get open answers from people um and so it like it feels really good for me you know to like talk to people who might not have anyone at home that they can ask those questions to. I remember I had a patient when I was on my pediatrics rotation, um, who was a, like also came from like a pretty conservative religious background, but like was having sex with her boyfriend and wanted birth control. Um, and it was so nice to just be like, I know like no one at home is telling you this, but like, here is like, here are your options. Like which of these is the best one for you? And I think like, I think even just like selfishly that's really fun for me and like it makes me feel like I'm um you know like that's the least selfish giving, selfish like, thing that people... you can do it's so selfish for me to help people like I think like even even aside from like I'm helping people it like sort of makes me feel like I am totally I know able you mean. to like move move forward in a productive way from like things that I didn't get to have um and it's it's great (laughs) that's awesome so do you think that there is some sort of role for you in as a as an OBGYN for anybody who might be in a position like you were in when you were younger where like being gay just meant sex to uh, allow them to understand that it's like maybe their sexuality is more or that maybe uh, how do I want to phrase that do you know what I'm trying no, to get I, at I totally I don't, don't okay so yeah. like, uh, I don't know no. where you're going yeah. with that. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say no, like, like I don't even know go for it I mean just so like a, a, pl- a place for her to like kind of be that guiding light in terms of like you know that like 
you may be interested in like somebody of the same sex in a way that like you know have you thought about that you know maybe it's not sex that is what is making you have these <laughs> or like you're even though you're not thinking about or having sex with like people of the same sex like maybe your thoughts are a romantic actually mm-hmm. you know like is there a, a place for you as a doctor to like maybe have those conversations yeah like, help i mean people I think, through their sexuality i think that's a really good kind of um yeah that's a good question i think mushy brain um and i think that is it is harder like as a i think as a doctor to do that in a like without like like you don't want to ask people questions that aren't relevant to their medical care like just mm. for you to just to be nosy you know yeah, um so i yeah. think that it is tricky but i think like um i do think like sort of part of my like sex ed counseling spiel that i give like includes like that it's possible to have romantic attraction for the same sex and like you might be interested in the same sex even like even if you're not sexually active with them and just like having us um like a little blurb on that that you tell patients and just making that part of the like here I am giving you all the information about like safe sex and like making sure that you're um like using protection and like knowing the STI status of your partners and stuff. But like also as part of that conversation, like you might not be having sex with someone and like still have be having romantic attraction towards them. Um, like I think, I think that is something fair for oh, you to I think throw that's in, awesome. but I think, I don't think you can necessarily ask like, have you been having feelings yeah. for any, like as in an OBGYN <laughs> role, like I think yeah. if you maybe were in psychiatry or something and that was what you were yeah, that doing. Makes sense. Um, but I also think there, I mean, I've seen a lot of great, um, just not necessarily from like medical professionals, but people who came out of the like evangelical sphere, um, a lot of great like social media accounts and stuff doing like, um, queer inclusive sex ed. Um, and I think like, it'd be really great in an, in some future life to be able to do that from like a medical point of view, um, and include like and I think when when it's that and when you're not in like individually interacting with patients I think you can put more of like your own personal spin on it um and so yeah I mean I think and the other thing is I think it depends a lot on which what specialty you go into um because there's a lot of subspecialties of OBGYN and like there is actually a whole subspecialty of pediatric and adolescent gynecology um, which I think has like definitely more opportunities for that. Um, I am definitely like, that's on my list of things I'm interested in. I'm also like really interested in doing family planning. Um, so I think either of those, I think you, you could definitely have opportunities for that. Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you want to chat about? I'm trying to think. I feel like we covered most of my my hot topics. <laughs> Got on my abortion soapbox for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I I loved it. So same. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, then, Kira, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, so I I like as soon as Matt texted me, I was like, I gotta think about this. <laughs> um, so the gayest thing I did this week. I think, 
Um, so my girlfriend and I have this like crocheting subscription. Shut um, up. Oh and my fucking <laughs> god. <laughs> they send you that's like, it that, i mean that was the I know, but I <laughs> elaborate a little bit more yeah. <laughs> um they they send you like a um three different so it's you you make <laughs> you make an afghan over the course of like several i think it's like 11 months and you do three blocks a month um and they send you three different crocheting patterns per month that's and cute. So I've been doing a lot of crocheting and we're crocheting matching afghans. So I'm like, I don't think you get any more cake than that. Oh my That's God. the best answer that we've had of anyone on the podcast. I'm glad I, to I, hear I, that. I, 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 <laughs> and I will say a good afghan is huge. Yeah. Okay. My grandma I, actually made a couple and yes. I slept under one last yes. night. It's it has been exactly. sitting in the closet for a little bit of time, so I was like a little bit allergic to it because there was so much dust. But so sad. Yeah, but it was so cozy. So yeah, and so we were basically this. I was actually asking her like, "What do you think is the gayest thing we did this week?" And I said something else, and she was like, "No, definitely the Afghan." <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but it was like the um, the like anything that's like a grandma activity is like also a lesbian activity i think yeah oh so, my god um, oh my god so the afghan the the crocheting uh, I, subscription that's my final answer I love I, that. yeah you are you've won a million dollars that should be like on a if we ever make merch that should be like a bumper sticker um the gayest yeah. thing i ever did <laughs> <laughs> With crushing matching <laughs> What about you guys? What um what's, do you Wow, know? we've never what's had someone turn it around did? back on us. Actually. I know. <laughs> well, I know now. You have to answer. I've listened to many episodes, so I wanna know what <laughs> Um, I think the gayest um, thing that I did this week was I I have my first physical checkup with a doctor for the first time in like five years wow. next week because Primary care. Primary care. Aaron. Yeah. I know it's pretty bad. When I was twenty, I th- I like I don't remember if I've gone in the past five years. The last time I remember going to get a checkup was my sophomore year of college, and I went to my pediatrician, and he like sat me down and was like, "You cannot come back. Like you need to find a, a doctor that's like a primary care doctor." <laughs> and then I moved to LA, so now. I'm going, but Aaron. <laughs> so everyone, sit down and find a fucking doctor. I know how hard and daunting it is, um, but while I was doing my like pre questionnaire, um, one thing that stuck out to me was like one of the first questions they asked was like, "What are your pronouns?" And I've yeah, that's always I've, a good sign. I I've like never. That. It's at UCLA, so it's like it makes sense yeah. that they would be aware of that. But I haven't filled out a survey for a doctor in a long time. So I was like, wow, I love this like growth. And yeah. it's just like fitting with this week too. So it's perfect. Party. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're finally getting some primary care. I know. I wonder if they'll be able <laughs> to tell me why you. I'm burping. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Matthew, what about you? <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, I would say probably I'm having a cute little weekend away with my boyfriend. We're celebrating four years together oh. tomorrow. Holy shit. So by the time you're listening wow. to this, the weekend will be over. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, Saturday the seventh. I know that's that's so dad and dad. (laughs) I know we're (laughs) we're very excited. I already have an Instagram caption lined up for. I mean, it hasn't been announced yet, but hopefully by the time this podcast, I'm excited. Matt, sometimes still my favorite Instagram caption is the like. He's straight, but I'm gay, and we make it work or whatever. That's like my God. favorite Instagram caption of all time, I think. <laughs> Thank you. So I appreciate that. I hope this one tops that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm ho- – well, I – because – so we started dating the day before the 2016 election. Oh, wow. Oh, my – yeah, I didn't even think about oh. what the four years – what exactly was happening four years so, ago. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to think of something that's, like, the only thing that's getting four more years today or something. I haven't oh. figured out exactly, it's but that's kind of like – That's a good – Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah, yeah. So if So if anybody um, – not that anyone's going to hear this before I hopefully post a picture or something. This is, like, kind of embarrassing to talk about posting a picture in the caption, isn't it? I mean, I, I think it's know. a very okay, normal cool. thing that I everybody think about goes captions, through. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if I, so, I mean, yeah. hopefully I'll have posted this, I posted it already by the time you guys hear this. But I guess if either of you come up with um something witty along those lines, let me know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this conversation maybe was the gayest thing I did all week. Um. <laughs> oh my god! Great. Shout out. Also, sorry. Random shout out to this girl that just popped up on my Facebook page. Back in 2016, I registered as a Republican and voted for Donald Trump. But since then, I've educated myself and I learned from my mistakes and I will not be burned twice. It's time for change. I'm going to give a shout out to Emily. You guys met Emily. Yeah. Um, yeah. Emily was a did not vote for anyone in 2016 in Macomb, Michigan. Um, and oh my God. She, we went to the Center for Civil and Human Rights in like the first week of med school. They brought us there. Mm-hmm. And Emily changed her mind about everything and now is very progressive. And um, she is great. You, yeah. So people can, people can learn and change. So shout out to Emily for the same yes, reason. Yes. And we appreciate you and we want you. Yes. And she helped flip Michigan this time around. So incredible. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did I you mean, help flip Georgia? No, I vote in Virginia. I'm okay. I am still, yeah. You helped keep it blue. I'm sorry to report. Did you, Matt? Yeah. yeah, I fucked up. I voted in New York, but I also haven't had a residence in Georgia for like over four months. So like I don't know yeah. if I would have been purged. Yeah. It's okay, it all worked like out I, right now. Yeah. I literally I literally don't have anything in Georgia except for a plant that my friend is caring for. Oh. Yep, well. I, I She's a plant gay too, so I... it's it's right. Love that. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time this episode uh, drops, we'll have some answers. But honestly, we might not. <laughs> yeah. Every day I'm like, maybe tomorrow, and uh, still no. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm in Pennsylvania right now, so the second that they offici- officially say that Pennsylvania has gone blue, I'm gonna like just go hug the ground. Um, Please do. Or stay inside. Or just drive around. I saw somebody, I went to the beer store today in Pennsylvania and saw somebody with a Trump 2020 mask on and I was this close to being like, Uh, oh, isn't that so sad for you? Don't agitate people right now. But but I was like, I'm I'm gonna, I I was like, I'm gonna get shot or like they're gonna kill me so I'm just not going to. I'm just gonna pity them. Okay, Um, anyways. Thank you. (laughs) Kira, if you want to be found by the people listening to this, 
where can they find you? Which you, you don't have to be, yeah. but if you want to be. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I only, the only social media, I guess I have a Facebook, but like the only one that I. We're not going to let people add you Most on frequently. Yeah. Is, no. <laughs> um, my, is Instagram. So I have um, Kira Elizabeth one, but it's spelled like Sierra, as we discussed at See, the beginning. Era, um, this era. Beat is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Automatic, supersonic, Aaron, hypnotic, funky fresh, funky fresh. Yes, that's the one. Um, Love it. Yeah. So, yes, Kira Elizabeth. Did you ever make that like your Instagram? Elizabeth bio? with a Z or an S. My Instagram bio is it's pronounced K E E R A. Kira. So that people know. We'll and also link it in friends, the description. Well, yeah. yeah, my friends tried to trick it. Trick my other friend into saying that my name was Sierra and then he was like no her Instagram bio says (laughs) (laughs) it's literally her bio that's why love it Matt where can you be found um at Maddie Roar and I can be found everywhere at Aaron Idelson and And you can find this podcast at on Instagram at queering the air pod Yay! A, a huge thank you to Kira. This was so much fun. This was thank so you fun. For, thank you for teaching for us time. so much. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on again. This was so fun. I had yeah. the most fun. <laughs> when If we're ever back, well, when we're all back in Atlanta, we should do I know. Like an in-person I want, yes. episode. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> that would be fun. With brunch. With pancakes and mimosas. Oh, we're going to do it. We'll have to do a brunch episode. I know. Episode. Oh, that would be the dream. That would be so fun. Yes. A After brunch f- episode. Yeah, we should definitely do that. And we should like live in the same city and just do this over brunch every day. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not getting barred in California because it's really hard. So you have to move somewhere to the northeast. <laughs> um, we'll chat. Okay. <laughs> bye everyone. <Yeah. laughs> okay, bye guys. Bye. <laughs>